listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead. With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm Gigi Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. Oh. Gore is love, baby. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that gives much respect to any and all of our bilingual listeners my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're kicking off september with a month-long celebration of latinos and horror and we start with gg saul guerrero's 2019 culture shock and whether or not you enjoy fireworks, you can listen to our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your feeding tube hole. <laughs> <laughs> that, that took me. That took me. was not expecting that. was not expecting that. Well, if you uh, get social media while you're uh, feeding, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Wait, Twitter at Nightmare Junk. And Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. There it is, there it is. And it is indeed at the Book of Face where we have an events tab, which leads to... Shenanigans and cultural shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, September 3rd, yeah, you, all you need to do is head over to Screenland.com. And genius, they have your cultural shenanigans taken care of indoors. Afuera. Ooh, <laughs> bueno, bueno, and virtually, and uh, the as this episode is releasing, man, our latest Friday Night Fright is appropriate, uh, given the film that we just actually experienced mm -hmm. not too long ago. Cherry Falls was dope. Cherry Falls was great, and staying in the in the vein of late '90s, early aughts horror, a film that if you're a dog fan. Beware. <laughs> yeah, there's a, Again, there's a trigger warning I'm here. calling shenanigans on that particular urban legend, uh, but we are going back to 1998 for urban legends. Mm -hmm. We're going to have Nagzima. We're going to have Nagzima everywhere, and we're going to have Alicia Witt, and it's going to be rad. This one also features Daniel Harris. That's, mm -hmm. that's that one they always forget that she's part of. But come on out for that, and of course, if you can't come out on Friday, that one is going to be playing later that week. But then looking forward to next Friday Night's Fright... Truly, it's horror-adjacent. Yes. It is very horror-adjacent, not only coming from the director of the film, but there are set pieces, and I don't know how long it's been since you've seen it, Genius, but there are some pieces in here that are straight horrific. It's been since high school. Oh, well, then you're going to have a blast with 1982's The Beastmaster. Mm -hmm. Bring your own ferrets. <laughs> or not. Or not. <laughs> yeah, don't bring ferrets into the movies. Like, <laughs> we're going to have them running around doing bidding. I honestly, personally, would love to have animals do my bidding. If I could be like a Beastmasterian type thing, yeah, I would have totally like monkeys and, and, and ferrets and all sorts of shit. Well, again, there's a reason that uh, we're going to probably have to issue a another time another place. warning with this because there are some interesting uh, sexual shenanigans that go on in that film. It's been a minute since I've seen it. I think you'll enjoy it. So come on out for a little Coscarellian madness. Now, the other repertory screenings going on that weekend is a film that I just love that it actually launched... Kitty Fair, 
and is one of those rare R-rated films that actually reverse engineered into an animated show and toys. We're talking Troma's The Toxic Avenger. That's insane. It's, that is insane because that movie is wonderfully vile. It is filthy. It earns its R rating. Yeah, it does. It earns its R rating, but that is a definitely a cult classic and is what Troma was built upon mm-hmm. for it's the most their, part. It's their mission statement for the most part. <laughs> and then if you want to prepare yourself for the upcoming, hopefully, galactic experience and masterpiece, uh, Dune, come check out David Lynch's take on Dune. Spice. Spice. Spice and Spice. <laughs> And also, if you, uh, it's been a while since I've watched it. It's been a long time since I've watched it. I don't remember enjoying it the first time I watched it. I'll be 100% honest. I remember seeing in the theater, right? But I remember sleeping through the majority of it, waking up just to see a fat dude fart around up in the air and sting come out in a cod piece and then a worm, and then I went back to sleep. So I don't have a lot of, like... You kind of hit the main points of the movie. Right. I don't have a lot of context with Dune. I'm not like, ooh. I mean, I'm still going to go see it. It looks cool, but I'm not like. David Lynch is off screen going, you're doing it wrong, genius. Right. We need more fat guys in the air flying around farting. (laughs) Well, come on out to check that out. And of course, uh, playing as a new release is Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Mm -hmm. And we've both seen it. I'm going to be watching it again. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, of course, if you're not ready to uh, party indoors, uh, they are still partying outdoors in the back lot. And on Friday, they're going to be screening Wes Anderson's Life Aquatic. I like that movie. I like Wes Anderson movies. You are a huge fan. and that's he's, They're charming. They are. Well, I, I know a lot of people that don't like them because... They can be off-putting for a lot of people, but they're just quirky and charming enough. I guess he started that whole, like, kind of... Arrested Development-ish type thing. So if that's not your brand of humor, probably Wes Anderson's not for you. He's also very symmetric. Oh, yeah, no. He loves symmetry. The aesthetics on display are always impressive. Mm -hmm. Now then, on that Saturday, a film that's an I've seen that. And Willem Dafoe's in it. And Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe. (laughs) Thankfully, going back to how David Lynch has utilized Willem Dafoe. (laughs) Yeah. Creating one of the cinema's most heinous characters ever from bobby peru to the guy in uh, with steve zazu it's just like and you really because he's like all about like i'll protect him and we're just honor just this code of honor he's a he's one of our great character actors mm-hmm. and i'm afraid he's one of those that we don't appreciate and we're gonna get some horrible tweets saying we've lost a defoe and it's like ah Let's go and appreciate him. Celebrate him up on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Then on Saturday, a film that I have not seen, I avoided it. I don't know why I haven't watched it. Maybe it's because I have such a tie to the video game, but I've never seen and could see on the big screen in the backyard, Super Mario Brothers. I saw that fucker opening weekend, and I was excited, and I still fucking enjoy that movie. It's fun. Everybody's like, oh, it's bullshit. Yes, it's bullshit. Almost has nothing to do with the game at all, but it's still a fun movie because it's got Bob Hoskins and Mojo Nixon and Samantha Morton and all sorts of and fucking Dennis Hopper. Speaking of David Lynch, yeah, right. Don't you look at me, Mario. Right, just like right. (laughs) He's perfect for like one of the shy or the ghosts that when you look at him, they turn away. Like, that's what he's all about. <laughs> that's his favorite part of Koopa Castle, is fucking making love in that room, the haunted room. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> David Lynch's Super Mario yeah, Brothers. David Lynch's Luigi's Mansion? That'd be fucked up. <laughs> Not good. 
I'll I'll watch it. I won't understand it. I'll be confused by it. Take a ride with Yoshi Peru. Just like real creepy. <laughs> That's awful. That is awful. Now, if you are a fan from afar and would like to support from afar and can't make it to Kansas City, uh, Screenland has a number of films that you can rent online. Oh, that's an awful thing in my head now. My God. Head to ScreenlandOnline.com where you can check out a number of films to rent. And if you would like to join their film family, you can go to Patreon.com slash Screenland where they have a number of tiers uh, and a number of like little perks, including watch parties. Uh, one that we do monthly mm-hmm. called the Shutter Shoutout. It's a lot of fun. This was a good one. And yeah, we recently had ours last week. Uh, we do them the last Saturday of every month, and we closed out August with a double feature. We were craving some contemporary Crampton. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of Crampton here lately, yeah. Genius, which it's not a bad thing. No such thing. It's like Jello. There's always room for Crampton. <laughs> well, if you join the film family, uh, not only will you be viewing those films on Shutter, hopefully, but we're going to give you the Nightmare Junkhead home version. Mm-hmm. With a customized pre-show, introduction, trailer reels, and of course, post-film discussion, which is always a blast. Especially when we need to, you know, um, actually work out our thoughts with certain films. Especially when it comes to the world of surprise body horror. Damn, surprise body. Surprise body horror. We were just talking. That's the worst kind of surprise horror in the world. When you're not ready for body horror, and it's like, blam, (laughs) body horror. (laughs) Deal with it. Right. Well, we dealt with it, and you can hear us deal with it by heading to patreon.com slash screenland. And if we are talking film, family, and Patreon. He bellies. We also have our own little weird, literal weird film family here putting together a Patreon. And uh, all you need to join is our I've seen that tier or above, and you will have access to our most recent new horror episode where we shared our thoughts and waxed the car of Barbara Crampton's performance in Jacob's Wife. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, we will be then... uh, (laughs) We have, uh, let's see here, was our Friday the 13th commentary on the month of August. Uh Uh-huh. And we also then had a request and review episode where we talked The Cell. Yeah, and I can't wait for this commentary coming up. The one coming up in September is going to be very epic and a lot of fun. So if you would like access to that and a whole lot more, head over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where we indeed have every tier from a squidly diddly to another time. Another place. And we have been, I'm not saying knocking out, knocking them out of the park with the themed months, but I've really enjoyed the theme months mm-hmm. and just the, then the films that we've been watching and experiencing. Uh, some first timers, absolutely. Some old favorites, and some ones we haven't seen in a long time. And just looking forward to a month of that kind of just a theme has been very comforting mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And when we were putting together for September, immediately you were like, "No, no, no! This is what we're gonna do." Let's do so Latino are, Heritage Month. So we are celebrating Latino Heritage Month by celebrating Latinos in horror. And as Genius McGee here, thankfully, uh. As M- McGee is not a common Latino name, however, yes. Well, you're not a common Latino, Latino my that's friend. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what what does this mean to you, just in terms of, you know, people always talk about representation. Yeah, it totally matters. I mean, it totally matters. I mean, I'm glad we're at a point in time where Mexicans are not seen as like, hey, senor, or like the banditos anymore, you know, and we mm-hmm. come past that. and. It's truly cool to see a lot of horror from a lot of different voices, especially Latino voices, because there's a lot of horrible shit that goes on. And 
it's important to spot to spotlight that, and then not only the up and comers, but ones that were like, oh yeah, that is, because we forget like some of our like Guillermo del Toro. A lot of people are like, oh sh- oh yeah, that's right, mm-hmm. the Pacific Rim. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, no, it's always good to show that to show that there are a lot more Latinos in horror working on screen, off screen, behind the scenes, everything. It's always important to show that, and like. I know that 2020 has shown a lot of things, but it also shown us, like we said, representation truly does matter. It's good to see someone that looks like you on screen, that thinks like you on screen, you know, because there wasn't a lot going on in the 80s like that. So there were definitely, it was very much a white bread world in mm-hmm. the 80s. And we need to be celebrating, yeah, other voices and perspectives because we've talked about it. Scary is scary, regardless. Yeah. But if you give me a different perspective that I can look into, love it. And that's why we love like international horror. And then some of the horrors that happen, like what we're going to talk about later with this, that is distinct Latino horror, a threat. Well, and to, to join us here, someone that is decidedly non-Latino, but if... He is by proxy. Well, we, that... we, we adopted him, like in the Chappelle, like the race draft. Like, I think you can ask my mom. I think he's an official Latino. Is that So is the, the, the Mexican community draft... Mount Baldy, Dustin Pryor, aka the ba- the coast co-host of Media Rewind podcast, is that is that the case? Hola, <laughs> mucho gusto. Me llamo Monte Carlo. <laughs> and that's just it. Hello, we, guys. We realized if we were going to kick this off, uh, indeed talking the film, I wanted to make sure to bring in someone that had such a unique insight to you, genius, because you guys have been friends for so long. You've been able to share in the culture because that is one thing. With you know how enriched your mother is, yeah, in, oh no doubt, and just everything she's done for the community, and well, plus it didn't help that it, I mean, it didn't hurt this is hey, we're gonna go get tacos, we're gonna get a taco food truck and watch Culture Shock. All right, cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, it it yeah, really wasn't but... having to sell it to me at that <laughs> right. point. <laughs> right? The only selling point was the walk, like the walk. I'm like, ah, come on, we can do it. Okay. <laughs> Well, there was a lot of walking going on in the movie we were watching, though I thought if anything we could get again some empathy and put ourselves right. in Okay, that's horrible and just demeaning. But no, there's a big difference between trying to cross the border a la El Norte versus going up a couple of blocks and getting some tortas. You know, there's very true. Very true. A huge difference. I mean, I'm not saying that the struggle is real on that one, but like my struggle was a lot different because I'm like, oof, we're almost there. We're almost there. You want to get snow cones? I did, but then. Man, my, my biggest struggle was whether or not to get two burritos or one. Right? I'm like, I don't know if I want to make the walk over here again while I'm watching people being kidnapped while they're crossing the border. Like fucking, like it was like it was like El Norte. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. And that's just it. I'm glad we're getting the laughs out now. <laughs> because the journey we just went through, not a lot of levity. No. Very little of it. Uh, because it's bringing in the real world horror. Mm-hmm. But all of this is from... When Gigi saw Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And when I say... Gore's love, baby. Gore's love. To talk, a, to talk a journey. Her journey. And the fact that we've been able to watch and you know view it from afar. You know She's been always so kind and open to coming on the show. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she is in such high demand right now. Yeah, her next feature is coming out. Yes. It's coming out like at the end of this month. Well, and I, I, I mean, I distinctly remember watching El Gigante for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was literally, I was not lucky enough to see it via Panic Fest. I think I started showing up to Panic Fest like the year after, but I saw it down here 
and was just immediately struck with the vision and no, the distinct it was... look and flavor and aesthetic and just like, holy shit. The Tahano Massacre. Well, we saw El Gigante the Short in Chicago when yeah. we went to Days of the Dead. Right? Yeah, well, that was yeah. the first time we saw it. Well, yeah. No, that wasn't the... We saw it at uh, uh, Panic Fest first. I think it was either part of Etheria or... Would, yeah, I think it was a part of Ethereum when we saw it because they showed it at Slaughter. And then there, we yep. saw it yep. at um, yep. Days of the Dead. And then when it was like, holy shit, this is really good. And then looking back on her work and seeing her upcoming thing. It, yeah, no. Gigi's rad. She's got a really great style and aesthetic. Well, and that she's definitely has a distinct voice. And I she's even, gritty. Oh. Her shit is gritty and like I'm not saying gross, but I mean it's gross no, in the good very way. Gross, it's yeah. in the good way. I mean, like her first short was like about horrors of border crossing and shit. Her second one was about a wrestler family that like wears people's skins and like serves them as tacos. I mean, it's great. It's, it's great. And it's very real, and it's fun. And the, when she gave us insight to the whole choreography of the scene... She's funny. ...with the giant teddy bear. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Gigi is hilarious. It's, th- if you want a funny follow on any social media, mm-hmm. she's going to put a smile on her fa- on her, your face. Between her and Nacho? And Nacho, yes. she. We, we're fans of Gigi. Like we, We're kind of biased here on the show. We have been rooting for her ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's partially because of the fact that her stuff is good. Like yeah. it's like she's legit. Talented. She's she backs super it up. talented. From the shorts to the feature films to the fact that she's an actor. Like she's doing like a lot of commercial work now. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is everywhere and I couldn't be happier for her. And it just again, it's to see good people getting these opportunities and making the most of them. Because I'll see her every now and then like, they're jeggings! You know, just like fucking <laughs> showing off like the white strips. And then I'm like, oh, good for Gigi. Right? And then the next thing you know, she goes, she's on her class like, guess who's going back into the director's chair? And I was like, yeah! I mean like, and she's fun and funny. Yeah. Like like her reactions of their uh, watching horror movies with oh, her the family. Yeah. <laughs> and let's just say it, her dad is damn handsome. Yeah. Dude, that's well, the fact that she like directs his commercials for his realty uh, yeah. down in San Antonio, no Vancouver, Vancouver. Yep. Well, and that's the other thing is she's also a Canadian. Mm-hmm. So what I love with hers is not only is it you know the the Tex what do you that's the the Tejano Tejano, mm-hmm. but it's also a little exploitation as well. She's I think kind of an ultimate example of just that younger generation that have just so much diversity and background and they embrace everything and they bring that to the forefront and they celebrate it. And have a lot to say, good, bad, and indifferent. You know, just like, here's the good parts, here's the bad parts, this is what I think, and boom. Because this is a very political movie without being overtly political. It's a la almost she's the perfect person to direct uh, some of the grudge uh, the grudge the purge the episodes. The purge episodes, yeah. And that she did. And it, she did. And and it works because it's that like not necessarily skewed, but it shows some of the bad parts of everything. With the whole border crossing and some mm-hmm. of the bad parts of the American dream and all that shit. Well, and you guys covered that on Media Rewind, did you not? Mm-hmm. Nice segue. So, I like that. That's well, no, of course. <laughs> way, by the way, you know they're kicking off the uh, the last season of the Walking Dead coverage. But I mean, did you did you wax the car of Gigi when you talked about you know her episodes? Yeah, but I don't think we did it in a like a pandering a pandering way at all. I mean, the episode that she directed was, was good. good. Was yeah. really good. Because it had the strawberry in it. <laughs> Pro-Ben. <laughs> no, she did really good in those Purge episodes. It moved the floor, and it fit in the world correctly. But, and that's what I think about this one, because like, yeah. it's almost like 
you have the real world, and then you have a dark version of the real world, and then you have another alternate version of the real world mm-hmm. with this one. This one was a lot of different themes, and it was, I really enjoyed this. And she's got a great eye for the gore, too. Well, and she also has very much a, a distinct aesthetic, especially when the early on in the movie where there's that they're bathed in the green. Mm-hmm. And when you go from, you know, the reality to the fantasy to the reality. Again, there's three films in one in this movie. Because it opened up very grindhousian. Yeah. It felt like that, like, um, Tejano exploitation, the Frontera yes. movies, with the grindhouse aspect of it. And then it turned into something totally different. And then it turned into something totally different again. Well, this comes from the Into the Dark series through Hulu. So this is streaming on Hulu and available to view. And we actually have already talked to one of the Into the Dark films was a school spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, they're given, it's these opportunities for some of these up-and-coming filmmakers to get a little decent bit of a budget and put together something that is going to have a readily viewable audience. And those are the only two I've seen. I know you've seen a few more, have mm-hmm. you not? I enjoy them. I enjoy them. Some of them are better than others, but all of them are entertaining. So Yeah, no, and then so that goes back to this one then. This was all of ours... Second time watching this movie? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, and that was when we were even asking Dustin, we we're like, now have you, because we initially were like, well, has he seen this one? Because we yeah, are, I, I watched it right when it came out because I, I saw, you know, Gigi was tweeting you. out about it. And you guys had said something about it. And I was just like, yeah, let me go ahead and pop it in and give it a chance, you know? Because, um, one of the actors that that's in the in the story is on one of my you know favorite shows, Mayans MC. So you know it's like sweet. All right, well, so I'm it, there. Again, there's there's that overlap there. The yeah. assassin with the heart of gold, <laughs> Coco. Coco. <laughs> he was a uh, the Santo Cristobal in this one, the the saint of death. They called him too. So. And talk about just a great dual performance uh, from terrifying for one reason to terrifying for another. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not a lot to be said about the mustache there. But no, coming back to this for my second time viewing, uh, number one, I realized that we're bookending via Patreon in the main feed, a little Barbara Crampton. Yeah. And I think that was one of the other things that I was so excited about. Crampton was wonderfully disturbing in this. She's creepy as all get out. Yes, she is. But the fact that, you know, Gigi was going to get to work with, you know, this genre icon that just adds so much more to the movie. Mm -hmm. But this movie, it's, it's not fun. No. It is, in fact, we mentioned, uh, like, it takes the time to establish the real-world environment and the horrors and the fact that, you know, there's a reason, as you said, there's a reason people risk their lives mm-hmm. to go these through these harsh conditions to try to better themselves and get out of these scenarios. Well, because, like, the weirdness didn't really kick in until, like, almost, like, an 40, hour, into the oh, movie. an hour in. And so... People, I could understand, but where I can't understand, but I can see where people would say, "Well, where's the horror in it?" The horror in it is yeah. having to cross and like because it opens up with this the, this rape scene and implied rape scene while the American anthem is playing in the background. You're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it's going to be one of those kind of movies, right?" And th- just the horrors that she has to go through. I don't want to be here going mm-hmm. in and having in the dark. Like if anybody catches you, because there was many times I'm like, "Fuck all that noise." God, no. No, it's terrifying. It's truly terrifying. And then the fact that she's pregnant with a child by rape and like she doesn't know what to do and she just knows she has to get out of there and out of her situation. It's you're already feel for her and then you see the steps that she has to go through and how every single new challenge is more terror. 
You know, and it's not any ghoul or ghost or anything like that. No, it's, they're real terrors. They're real terrors, yeah. Well, and it is. It is the first 35 minutes of the film. It just takes us through, and they take their time. And that's the other thing I really enjoyed, is you take your time and get to know the characters initially. Mm-hmm. And the first third of the film is establishing the stuff that they're going through and the mysteriousness of, you know, Crystal and just the fact that he's uh, one of those killers. The fact that he actually offers the... The sacrifice to what was it? Um, Santa Muerte. Santa Muerte. Muerte. The, the death, saint of death. So you've, you're you're establishing all these different little characteristics. I like that, mm-hmm. and that's something I don't think a lot of movies really take the time to. Again, they're establishing more of a body count just to to go through, or the ghost or the goblin, which which I like ghosts and know, goblin movies, but this ain't one of those. No, this is basically you know straight from. From the straight from the headlines, basically, mm-hmm. and it works. I mean, it even opens with playing on the fears like all these migrants are coming in and they're like wanting to kill you and sell you drugs. All the meanwhile, stuff. I mean, it's just a pregnant lady who doesn't know what to do. And you've got all the talking heads on the various networks, mm-hmm. and you've got this. In fact, it almost gave me like very much a not, I don't want to say a dystopian feel or right before that, but it really felt like right on the precipice of something bad going on in that timeline fuck it felt like it was going on right now that's yeah. the thing oh, it's yeah. not like something bad's happening oh, yeah. no and that that's that's the other thing will this film turn some people off based on the politics oh fuck good yeah and yes. i hope so genius I hope it ruffles feathers genius and i talked about this when we saw the forever purge mm-hmm. i hope this pisses a lot of people off if they go to see this because this is one of those one of those films that people need to see number one but they need to understand what's going on the context behind it because you know, like like we said when we were watching it, I don't think anybody wants to make a hundred, you know, a couple hundred mile trek, leaving everything that they knew behind. You know, the perils of the desert, mm-hmm. the perils of, of just traveling, the perils of a woman traveling alone, a little child traveling alone. You know, and to, to go all this and be like, oh, you're not welcome here. Well, let's slow down because we're not even really welcome here if you really want to get down to brass tacks. Oh, no, I'm all about a little U.S. history in terms of backtracking. We, we seem to forget that, you know, that the whole 1492, you know, we came over from England thing and just kind of set up shop. It's like me walking into your front room and going, hey, this is mine. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's another aspect is like when you said it was, it felt like it was almost dystopian. No, it felt what we see today. It yeah. felt even more pressing because this was... But about two years old? Mm-hmm. Came out in 2019. Yeah. So that's even like, yeah. Mm-mm. That's what's scary about it. But then when it even goes into like the fantasy land aspect, you're like, okay, cool. That's creepy and terrifying. But then the rationale behind what's going on brings it back to real world politics, which makes it even definitely more terrifying. Because you know there's people... Te- Elon Musk is one bad day away from becoming super villain. I told so you, you, man, he's one bad relationship away. So there's a totally a possibility. There's some science going on that we don't know because shit like that happens. Look at the the, the border vigilantes that mm-hmm. go around and do terrible shit and then blame things on the cartels, and the cartels themselves are doing terrible shit. So like, yeah, no, that's a, definitely that, terrifying. Well, in that entire cartel sequence, I'd forgotten how intense it was. Very intense. There's a lot of intense going on. When you're not creeped out, your heart's racing. Yeah. No, and it just shows the terrors of everyday life through there and what everyone's going through and the price it pays. It just, it's it's taxing, man. And I really think we need some empathy. And I think films like this ideally will lead to conversations and we need to have conversations and dialogue that goes back and forth where we're actually listening to other people, trying to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, I 
I also hope it does upset people. And I'll be honest, if you know this is not your cup of tea, if you guys are, you know, if you think we're being it's preachy, too goddamn political, blah blah, like that's what this movie says. Good, and I'm glad I like the message that it's saying. And good horror is always going to be political. Mm-hmm. Politics and horror have always gone hand in hand. And whether you want to, to me, a, a good horror film can transcend that. Where if the politics aren't your thing, you can at least still enjoy right. the thrills, the kills, the gore, the acting. Yeah. But honestly, I think occasionally text is good. Yeah. Sometimes we don't need subtext. Sometimes mm-hmm. we need it either drilled into our head, just right up in your face. And I'm and Gigi does it with style. Oh. And she does it with like panache and a definite like there's grittiness, but there's also like love and heart because there's worse ways to wake up from being knocked out than having Barbara cramped in your face. So 35 minutes in. <laughs> We we get our almost like a Wizard of Oz moment mm-hmm. where we go from the grime, the gritty, the, the very much the lucha gore kind of aesthetic with the low greens to just this entire crazy color palette swap. Yeah, and that's when that second part of the film kicks in, where we are introduced to Barbara Crampton, and this is the I, m- Matrix. I think the second part of the film actually freaked me out the most because you know. The, the second part of the film is forcing Americanism onto people. Yeah. And, and let me let me ask Ideal you the deal of and, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if I caught this or not, but everybody in the town, everyone was an immigrant, correct? Uh-huh. Except for the, the mayor and Barbara Crampton, and right? Everyone in positions of power. Yeah. It was it was so odd. I mean, I, I like the way that, that Gigi and the, the storytellers kind of wrote that. But that has to be probably one of the more terrifying aspects is that you you have to forget everything that you learned. You know, because they even talk about like, why are you? Why? Why am I speaking English? Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah, that is terrifying to wake up and not be yourself and not have any issue of your identity and wake up in a place where it's all Stepfordian. Oh, I, I told you guys during the movie. If you ever see me dress in Brooks Brothers, you know I'm a pod person, right? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I need to go out and buy some hair products. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, um, fuck all that noise. Seriously, because like <laughs> I told you, like off mic, it's terif- it would be terrifying to wake up and you're dressed and ready to go. Mm-hmm. That's an awful scenario in my mind. Cause like I don't go to bed dressed. And if I wake up like, why the fuck am I all like ready to start the day? Fuck no, I need to hit the snooze a couple of times. Dude, but think of the efficiency. That is more efficient, but still fuck all that noise. And Crampton was so wonderful but yet so unnerving she'd have that smile and the wink she did like like wink like oh it's fine silly dink and then just walked off and i'm like not a deal breaker but yet like my spidey senses are tingling because i don't know that's does does that make it better if it's tingling possibly very true well there's that moment in the very end when all the chaos is going on I think they purposely keep crampton in the corner and she's just she's reacting Mm -hmm. wonderfully wildly still trying to find some order in it because technically at that point she's just a program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when um, an oh, hour spoilers. in... Oh, yeah, you know, come on. You know how we do it here. But yeah, an hour in, we get to the third part of the film and that's when we discover, yeah, it is this whole simulation piece, which leads to me ideally to believe it is more at, into the into the future, ideally, just with that little bit of a piece. Again, hopefully it's just a warning, but no, you're right, man. It is all current day and it's just been that way and it will always be that way but you know what the fact of the matter is that first of all the kid dies which oh yeah because they're like well the kids ain't gonna make it Eh, sucks to be the kids and then they were creepy 
those kids when they all turned around mm. and smiled. Yeah. And then whenever the brainwashing worked and they turned around, it's one thing when a, an adult turns around and creepy and all smiles, but when the kids do it, it's inherently more creepy. It's like all of a sudden I felt like I was in a Black Hole Sun video because <laughs> like the, the, the all of a sudden Soundgarden comes out because all elongated Joker smiles. Fuck them creepy kids. Well, because you know, kids are supposed to be innocent. Well, yeah, of course. Not. Well, you know, not in, in the movie. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't say overall. Yeah, kids are a little guilty, little bastard. No, just, in the film, it's just everybody's in on it. Yeah. No. Well, and what really kind of shook me, and I had a really weird kind of moment where uh, watching everyone gather in one particular area at one particular time, uh, going back to about uh, 1994 or 1995, I was working at a hen house in Leewood, Kansas. Which was kind of the the rich area? Ooh, oh yeah, like, fancy. Yeah. Is that the one with the sushi bar? That was with the sushi uh, bar. And, and that, back then, that was the high peak of quality cuisine. It meant something. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Joe Carter came through my line once. No kidding. Yes. Wow. Yes. Zap and one of the other uh, American gladiators came through my line once. Really? Was it Nitro Gemini? It was one of the, they were they were dating. Each, they were dating each other, but they were all bruised. It was up. lace. It was probably Nitro and lace. It was, they were both bruised up regardless, and it kind of bothered me because it's like, Ooh, Malibu, oh. Michael Bolton on steroids. Maybe. May- I bet I bet they just like either finished sparring or like having rough sex. Bow to your sensei. Right. <laughs> Bow to your Rex Kwan Do. Did, like, did they take their order and then like run off in one of those little balls? Like those little, <laughs> or like, the eliminator? <laughs> did they want to like load up the sandwiches and shit in like the tennis ball shooter at the end of the show? They actually had to <laughs> break through the door. Dude, that would suck to door dash for one of the American gladiators. Like, you have to go through them. You know they're atop their house with a little cannon shooting <laughs> down at you. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. So needless to say, I was transferred for a day to the Prairie Village location. Ooh. Ooh. Well, you're in the wasp hive on that one. Back in the day. Should have told me I was in the prairie village of the damned. (laughs) I like it. Everything was so orderly at that location. We know all your locations. Something felt off immediately. I just felt people just staring, having, they were just so at ease and content. And about six o'clock in the evening, about the time, I think I had to like work till about seven or 6.30 and I'm just counting down. But then the big church bell goes off. And like people in the store start leaving. I see people in the town all going to the church. And I mean, it's a lot of them. Do you shop for Santa Cane? <laughs> Freaked me out. And I don't know if maybe that was my earliest genius <laughs> McGee. This stuff happens in movies. It could happen right, here. Right, right, right. all that noise when the church bell rings and everybody goes in. No. That's like fucking the devil's right. Ernest Borgnine comes out of produce. It's time. Fucking, he's got goat horns and shit. Fucking all. No. I, no. It would have, I'm, I don't know because I got out as soon as I could. My little red tempo. Oh my you, you know what's going on, Reverend? Oh, it was ter- But watching that took me back to it. I mean, it was terrifying. <laughs> and just that whole thing, that communal aspect, the, the Groundhog Day-esque kind of approach that they took to everything to the training. When something's too perfect, it's weird. Like right now, like I told you, I'm, I'm digging my job. But my first couple of days, I'm like, it's a fucking cult. 
Everybody's yeah. happy and everybody like there's like signs goobble gobble and shit. Everybody's like enthusiastic and shit. And now I I think I'm drinking the Kool Aid a bit more as long as it's not the pink lemonade or the pizza, I guess. And so like <laughs> I'm okay, but at the same time, when things are too perfect, your radar goes off. It's mm-hmm. like not even your shit you're used to. Even if you're even if you live in a very even if you live in Prairie Village, if you go somewhere even better, like something's sure. fucking wrong, you know something's odd about affluence well, and also and conformity and the inoculation of that and how it is a process and a procedure and they even went to the whole idea of tying this to a greater good or mm-hmm. a, you know a greater purpose and that's also a terrifying to thing to keep them out to keep them here satiated yeah. out of the the whole prison little cuz it even started out as a training Mm-hmm. Simulation to mm-hmm. get them acclimated to the what the idea of the American dream is because but that's like such a weird antiquated version because I'm sure that somebody's uh, version of the American dream here in Missouri is is significantly different than somebody's American dream in say Florida. Well, so like well even looking at the way that everything is colored when you go to the the simulation I mean it looks out of something out of the 50s sitcom mm-hmm. yeah. Like and Pleasantville. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think that is not, an, it's it's an, a better time. It's mm-hmm. again making, dare we say, making America great again. Yeah. And that particular time. And that's what they're trying to inoculate Because it was with. a wonderful and time. There was no such thing as race riots or anything going well, on at like that time. That was back when guaranteed if you were a white male, you had you control were the, and domination. Everything. Mm-hmm. And that is just the thing, is just seeing more people having access and being able to have a part of the dream and a part of the pie. And the people that have been in power for the majority of the time, they've grown comfortable. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's because I was lucky enough to grow up with cool parents that were, you know, said, Greg, be open to things, this and that. But I've always been trying to celebrate diversity. Even in my class, I say we celebrate similarities and we celebrate our differences because that's what makes us all people mm-hmm. and i just i the fact that Gigi, you know we have mexican canadian woman like directing and getting a chance to have her perspective and experience shared and yeah. presented like these these are rough times but these are good times mm-hmm. just in terms of i think even access potentially the fact that it can be seen and we didn't even talk about the local connection Oh, oh. The music is fucking rad in this. Mm. Chase Horseman's score is ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's hitting a variety of flavors. It's got and that moods. good Tejano um, exploitation feel with the grindhouse aspect. It's got the weird something's going on aspect. It's got it's got a lot of it's it's a good it's a good soundtrack. It's really, really good. Yes. And a Kansas City native here. Uh you know what? Uh the dream sequences were intense. The fucking weird, I wrote down the um, creepy sonogram of death, the oh, devil's son. Oh, like, yeah. fuck all that noise. <laughs> That's, that was terrifying. The the actual, the assault sequence in the dream. And again, everything that still happens within the first 30 oh, minutes. The assault scene in the real life. In real life. It's, again, terrifying the way they kind of establish all these things. But it's also establishing differences in approach, I think, with the filmmaking. Um Adding a little depth and variety, I think. But those desserts look fucking great. That's why I can't watch the Grand Budapest Hotel because I want to eat macaroons after because that. Because I want cake, right? There, that dessert wall was ridiculous. Hell, the soup even looked good. Yeah, and it I'm did. not a soup guy. I and maybe because maybe even the pizza didn't look that bad. Now, now here's the thing: if I could eat pizza, I'd tear that thing up. Would they have gone a little bit better and more authentic if it would have been the rectangular pizza rather like, than the like triangle? high school lunch like a, pizza? Yes. Yeah. 
Because it was crunchy pizza. That was that cracker. That was that pizza that you got at Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz back in the day when it was basically just like sauce on a cracker. Kind or, of or pizza t- shuttle from if you're around the Lawrence area. Totino's. Mm-hmm. I, no, but the steak, that was like, they're always eating good. Like fucking steak and taters and corn and shit. And then fucking. Reality. And then, yeah, reality. They got the feeding tube down in them. I forgot about the feeding tube and that whole contrast. It's, again, there was so many contrasts. You had the dark world of uh, crossing the border. And then you had the gritty, grimy world of what in the lab. And then you had the beautiful, utopia, of- bright, cheery land of the Matrix. The USA Matrix. Yeah, you know what? It it really is. It really is. Again, it's utilizing sci-fi, horror, real world. Again, delving and kind of balancing, balancing it, it very yeah, well. Yeah, well. It was actually. very well. Now, looking at that for the most part, um, and it doesn't skimp on the gore. No, no, because no, when all. no, because it's like, especially if you don't know Gigi, she's fucking gory as shit. As you said, gore is love. There. There's a nightstick kill in here. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Haven't just watched Just Before Dawn. Mm-hmm. Got to appreciate anything where you, you're, you're using your, uh, your, your gag reflex, potentially. And good squib action. Oh, great squib. Squibs. And I think a good melding of the CGI and the practical. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also the younger perspective in someone that has grown up with the horror that Gigi has. She respects that and wants to incorporate that as much as possible in a short, in a feature. And I, I, it's that attention to detail that goes a long way. The fact that she has more than a cameo in this. She's got lines. She's, that, got, a, she's got an arc. Yeah, she does. Well, even <laughs> this is what I, it was like the need of birth control and the fact that there was just this lack of education and well, why. And the fact that, like, in Catholicism, you are not supposed to have birth. Every seed is precious. Mm. So it's like that whole dichotomy of like well, what am i gonna do you know i can't have it but yeah no if you don't want to end up like me she said with Again, i didn't plan this i mean i love the kid but i'm not i didn't want this this idea of it being either prescient a cautionary tale on multiple fronts and Gigi also is a great actor <laughs> that's the thing it's just you're like oh it's Gigi's cameo and it's like oh this is no this is a part this is more than a cameo i appreciate well and you know there are some directors out there that'll throw Actually, Jill showing up in the stylet. One genius McGee showing up mm-hmm. in the stylus for a cameo. Yeah. Um, the fact that I really think that the glitchy baby. Fuck that glitchy Yo, baby. That was, weird. that was fucking off-putting. That entire sequence so from weird. from Sean Ashmore, the Iceman, talking through Barbara Crampton. When she snaps that baby, snap. And I'm like, God damn, Crampton just killed a baby. Well, we all reacted to like, it. Shit. Because <laughs> for the whole entire movie, when they're in like Wonderland, they're showing like, look at the baby, and it's a cute little hairy baby. And she would never let her have access mm-hmm. to it. It was just always that carrot on the stick to keep her in obedience, to keep her going through. Mm-hmm. But with the carrot, and Marisol, the the, act, the actor that played Marisol, because we have not given her any love, and she is ridiculously good. Martha Hiragarda. is so good. In fact, well, what did... What did you make the, the reference to, genius? Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Which is, it's appropriate, but her, her, actually everything she goes through, again, another journey, mm-hmm. literally, physically, spiritually, she sells it. From the unnervingness to just being unsettled and that new, tra- and that trans, the whole transition. Yeah. I mean, because she's had it rough from the get, but oh, she's oops. like 
from the get, she's like, no, fuck this. I'm going to do it. The fact that she wants to track down her coyote and like, oh, you're just going to leave me on the desert like this. This easily could have turned into revenge part two. Which we do get some comeuppance at the end. Good. Some, and some well-deserved comeuppance. Oh, fuck yeah. And it took its time to get there, too, which was great. Which made it that much more sm- sweeter. It was like a slow simmer. But again, and you, you, you feel... You, feel good for it but and you're still kind of hopeful i think with the ending of this film as well mm-hmm. except for stay along for the credits because then we get that whole little bit of just she's now a wanted terrorist and the, but i like the fact that she's wanted so hard to get to america for the american dream she got a taste of the real american dream and she's like fuck that i'm going home and in, in the will enough to disrupt this system and they, they actually identify her and like, no, her will, this is like, there's something abnormal with her. Like, she's going to mess it up. And it's just because that need to get and expand for her and her kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, birthing scene, thankfully, not too terribly bad. Actually was effective, though. Very emotional. Mm-hmm. I don't know if what the, uh, if that was an actor thing, but I looked like, is the baby come out like a werewolf or something? Because he had the, oh, my God. He had that look like, initially like, What's happened to the baby? I think it was just the crowning. You know, that's always yes. going to be. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be like, holy shit, too. But I would. It just, he had that look like, I'm like, is it like a half, is it Tetsuo the Iron Baby? Because she's just <laughs> tied up to like the, all the wires and shit. <laughs> that's awful. Uh, now, having recently watched Blowout not too long ago with the, with the ending and the fireworks. Mm-hmm. I was getting kind of that dourness kind of feel, just the way they were reacting and the fact that all the bad stuff is happening at the time of the fireworks. So I don't know if necessarily she's going for a De Palma reference with that, but having just recently watched it, definitely got a little bit of a feel for that. Well, it's kind of funny because, like, Matter Sells Man, fuck America, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't need that shit. No, that's actually was kind of the, the coup de grace mm-hmm. of the film, just that ultimate, not necessarily a middle finger, but... Again, perspective, you know. Almost kind of like, you know, maybe I'll make Kansas a little bit better, kind of in a Wizard of Oz type thing. Staying with that kind of feel. You know? I can see that. I don't want to go back to Oz. No. Well, and then the the whole other thing as well, the idea that these policies are being put into place to quell the inevitable of Mm -hmm. people that just trying to make their way here. And you guys mentioned that. I mean, this fits feels within kind of the same universe as a purge. And we've just got these awful people making awful decisions and awful things Doing happening. Doing awful things, yeah. I, I did like the uh, the the last little, like, I wouldn't call it a cheap shot, but the shot across the bow about the tweet at the end of the film. Oh. I was just like, ah. Oh, and in his 22nd sh- tweet of the uh, day. Fucking chef's kiss, I tell you. <laughs> and again, yeah, you know, politics don't belong in horror. Uh, I think you're watching the wrong horror. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're seeing... You don't know enough horror. It's like, do you have the like sound on? Right. Is, is the movie playing? Because right. horror has always been political. <laughs> and that's, like I said, I think that's when it plays its best because it's saying something. And mm-hmm. you may not agree with it, but it, hopefully it'll instill something within you. Yeah. And again, hopefully people will talk because at least if they're entertained, they can walk away from the film going, oh my God, that night scene, the nightstick, blah, blah, blah. But wow, the peril of, you know, the peoples and this and that. So hopefully, you know, Bringing up some dialogue and making people talk, making people listen. Like I said, empathy is something we need nowadays. Well, you know, Ingenious and I talked about on on our pod uh, when we came out of the Forever Purge that when we left the theater, there were a lot of people talking, you know, just about, you know, the the way that they had to come over, the way that everything kind of broke out. I hope this has, you know, very much the same conversation because we have to address it. You just can't Mm -hmm. say, oh, it's mine, 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 mine. 
you know, you have to address it because it, it's a problem that needs to be solved in some way. And, so, and, yeah. the hu- and it's to keep in mind is the humanity involved. Exactly. Everyone, regardless of our similarities and differences, we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. And, and one day we can all be strapped on the table with a feeding tube. We don't yeah. know. You know? It's, we, we all might be considered undesirables at some point in time. That, well, that's also speaking of undesirables. If you all have not seen uh, Brian Trenchard Smith's turkey shoot, <laughs> would play pretty interestingly with this. In fact, I actually... I hate you going around with a mutant. <laughs> what did you think of that one? Did you enjoy I, that? I enjoyed the shit out of that one. But I don't know if I'd go around... Like, I don't, I'd put it definitely in the man's most dangerous game, especially like, hello! But like, I don't know if I'd go around with it. Although, I could see Gigi doing a turkey shoot remake, remake? and having like El Gigante as the mutant or something. Oh, you were... I could see her doing the most dangerous game movie. Time to pitch it. It's mm-hmm. time to pitch it. Um, I think lower hanging fruit. This would play very well with Get Out. Yeah, mm-hmm. this would play very good with Revenge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But and a lot of good Tejano movies, or like something like like the Frontera de, de Sangre, or something like that, where it's just gritty and action, but also like scary. You know, like this. This definitely had a. Gave me a big creep factor on a lot of different aspects. Well, that's just that I think you have the nice combination of the real world horror and then the creepy science fiction esque aspect they bring to it, and mm-hmm. just the way it is melded together, I think it works really well. Yeah. So, final thoughts then here on Culture Shock. It made me hungry. Fucking those cake Crampton cakes. <laughs> like Crampton cakes look delicious. Cooking with Crampton. Uh huh. <laughs> Another blog. A YouTube well, channel. Welcome to Crampton's Kitchen. I mean, if Linnea Quigley could have a horror workout, why couldn't Barbara Crampton have, like, horror culinary, you know? Well, there there is the uh, homicidal homemaker that uh, does some cooking horror-themed stuff, but, you know... I, but it's not Crampton. It's not Crampton. It's not Crampton. I want some spooky cookies. I know. I want some scary cakes. W- little shout-out also to Losa Spookies. That's a great show. Great show. It's a great show. I thoroughly enjoy that show. That show is funny. I can't wait for season two if they ever make a season Hopefully two. they do make the season two. That's it's whole... good stuff. Well, season three of What We Do in the Shadows is coming out. And I, I think we're extended into season four as well. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm the music was rad in this one. Uh, Chase, you one did more a time. fantastic job, Chase. Phenomenal job in this. No, just hitting all the flavors. And that's just it. I legitimately had fun with this. As much fun for as being you can as have. dour yes. and mm-hmm. like political and like the horrors of like society, it was entertaining as shit. It played better for me a second time and that to me, me too. is why these films will carry legs. And like I said, whether it is prescient, a cautionary tale or sad here's we always talk about ten years is the mark for a film. do you think in two thousand and twenty nine the ten year mark for culture shock is it going to be a cautionary tale? Will it be prescient? Is it still... Honestly, I hope not. I know. Yeah. I mean, like... I, I hope we've learned a little bit and, and progressed past a lot of the issues that you see there. I hope moving forward, like in, in like 10 years, like, oh, this is what it was like back then. I'm glad mm-hmm. we're not... Le- like, a la Revenge of the Nerds. You know, I'm glad we've moved on from a society to from, like, panty raids. However, like... I doubt it. Yeah. I I doubt it'll. St- I think it'll still be a cautionary tale. I hope it's not. And if it is, good for. I mean, good for the success that it's going to find legs and keeps on going. But 
and great for that, but I hope it don't have to, you know? I well, hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't show, like, oh, it winds up being a time capsule. And is something that continues to create conversations, that when people discover, they go, oh, God, bless, do you remember at that time? Like, or, oh, gee, yeah. Or, you know, you know what? Let's do something. Let's make things better, and it mm-hmm. maybe inspires someone. And yeah. I, hopefully it does that, so... Thank you, Gigi, for this. Thank you, Genius, for this suggestion. This mm-hmm. was great. And also, looking at the entire lineup for this month, we're not going to reveal it here, but there are some gems in here. Yeah, that I am we're going to have fun. Truly looking forward to, including a couple of first-timers. And again, if you want to join us over at Patreon, let me just say our, our uh, commentary that we're going to be doing this month. Um, I can't wait. Yeah, if you can be... find a, If you can find a better commentary this month, fuck it. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. We'll see you in your dreams. Aye, aye, aye. Thanks, Dustin. Thanks, Dustin.